Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. The Detroit Lions are not just 6-2 and two and cruising to a division championship, but they look awesome. They have been fun. That, that was, if you're a Detroit Lions fan right now, smile. You should be excited. It's cool. Dan Campbell's cool. We will dive into the Lions. We will dive into Dan Campbell. 
McDaniels and the Raiders, absolute disaster. Have some thoughts there as well. Jimmy Garoppolo, oh my God, he looks awful. Uh, Cousins tears his Achilles. Not great. Trade deadline. Zach Wilson barely hangs on. And talk a lot of football on this podcast because that's what we do. So if you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. If you want to get on the show, fire in my mailbag. It's just my Instagram. DMs wide open. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Just DM me and I will attempt to read it here on the show. And we have a lot of podcasts. We got podcasts coming out all week. Just went on with Colin. Yesterday, that podcast is up. This podcast will react to the trade deadline. We'll just keep rocking and rolling. So uh, let's buckle up. Let's go. Let's enjoy ourselves some football. Can I tell you about my friends, my partners, and a company I've used all year long. I've been thinking about going to a World Series game either tomorrow or Wednesday. And if I did, do you know how I'd do it? I'd go to my Game Time app. I already have it downloaded. But if you don't, download the Game Time app. Sign up for a pair of tickets. Basketball, football, hockey, you name it. Any sporting event, college or pro. Comedy shows, concerts. And use the promo code, just happens to be my name, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast. And get $20 off your first pair of tickets. A lot of you guys have used it. Thank you very much. Keep hammering that promo code. Anyone you know wants to go to a game, just tell them about game time. Promo code John. Save you 20 bucks. Go enjoy a night out. Go watch some sports. Go listen to some tunes. And have yourself a time. Again, the App Store. Download game time. You can put it on your iPad as well. And promo code John when you check out for your first pair of tickets. Go have a good night. Do it on me. I don't even need a thank you. Just go enjoy yourself. Let's get to Monday Night Football. And there are a lot of angles. This game fired me up. I know some of you, if you're not a Lions fan, not a Raider fan, uh, even if you are a football lover, you might go, oh, Raiders, Lions. That was sweet. And I think one big picture topic, I do think it's cool in the NFL how teams can suck for a long period of time. And if you get the right coach, you get the right GM, you draft the right players, you can just become a winner. I don't mean you become what Andy and Mahomes are doing or Belichick and Brady. But you can just go to the playoffs a lot. That's not the case in other pro sports. I'm watching the World Series tonight. The Diamondbacks, while they had an incredible playoff run, they won 84 games. Like, they've consistently not been very good, right? This is not the same teams in baseball are good year in, year out. The playoffs, like in hockey, just tend to be random. In basketball, it's the same teams over and over and over. Bucks, Celtics, Warriors, LeBron, and now Jokic. Like, if you don't have one of those guys... Good luck. Maybe the heat here and there, but they're actually not going to win the championship. Fun to watch. Whatever. Same teams over and over. It's not the case with football. The Jacksonville Jags, who have been a consistent joke most of my life, get a franchise quarterback, get a Super Bowl winning coach. They're going to be in the playoffs last year, this year, and for several years moving forward. The Detroit Lions. I got news for you. This is not going to be a one-hit wonder season. Like, this team is built to last Look at all their players. They, they don't have a bunch of veteran guys on big contracts. These are all young guys that they just drafted, and it's fun to watch. And the other thing is, and I thought uh, Joe and Troy kind of hit it on the head, for the most part, I mean, the Detroit Lions in my life have been a, not even underachieving. They've just been terrible, and they're just known for the Thanksgiving game, which it feels like they usually lose. And now to have a game on Monday night, which a lot of teams over a long period of time, we'll get some Monday night football games. But it's one thing to be a shitty team, get a home Monday night game, and that, that's kind of your Super Bowl. And it's another thing 
to be a team that looks like you're headed toward 12 wins, get a Monday Night Football game, and your and your fan base, like there was a swag in that building tonight, and it's just it's enjoyable as a fan to see a franchise resurrected. And let's face it, it's resurrected because, I mean, one guy leading the charge. And I think in football, just like in life, perception can come become reality. I say it all the time. Whether it's a friend group, whether it's someone in your industry, hearsay and gossip, you're like, hey, I've heard about this guy. How about this guy? Total D-bag. Or I've heard about this guy. Incredible. This guy's awesome at his job. And then you meet him or work with him. You're like, eh, I don't quite see it. Or the opposite. You, you, all you've heard is bad things. Then you meet the guy. You're like, ah, I kind of like the guy. Right? And let's face it. The perception on the two coaches tonight, one guy, major football meathead. Dan Campbell, just meathead. Feels like, doesn't even watch film, just lifts, d- uh, powers down some protein shakes, heads out to practice, yells a little bit. <clears throat> and that, that's Dan Campbell. Josh McDaniels, meanwhile, cerebral, been with Belichick, great schemer, X's and O's. Do you know what it turns out? Josh McDaniels is just a chubby version of Brandon Staley. That guy is terrible. And do you know what it turns out? That guy that we all thought was a major meathead, damn good coach. Look at last year, the second half of the season, up until tonight. All the Lions are doing currently is winning games. And let's face it, you remove that Ravens game, the way they win is a way that most of us appreciate football. They kick your ass. They shove the ball down your throat. Defensively, that front seven is bringing it. Aiden Hutchinson's become a stud. And Dan Campbell and his coaching staff full of former NFL players look like they could beat up the entire league. I'm not saying this team's going to win the Super Bowl. Hell, I, it's going to be difficult for them to win a playoff game. It's hard. They, they've, this is not a franchise that has had a lot of success in January. Though, depending on how the uh, seeding breaks, clearly they're going to have a home playoff game because they're going to win their division. They should win a playoff game for the first time, I don't know, in my lifetime. 38 years old. 39, actually. And I, I, I got to give a lot of credit to Dan Campbell. You watch him in these interviews, there's clearly more than just this protein shake smashing, you know, curl and bench press lifting former player. Like, Dan Campbell's good. And Josh McDaniels, as several of you have DM'd me over the years, like he should pay Brady royalties because you take that guy away from Belichick and you give him your own team, you would send the limo to the uh, to the hotel that to to his team staying at to make sure he's on the sideline when the game kicks off. He is awful. I, I mean, speaking of the Raiders, Mark Davis has a major problem on his hands. I don't know if all of you know, but Mark Davis is the owner of the Las Vegas Aces. He has turned them in to the Jerry Bus Lakers. They've won back-to-back championships. He's brought greatness to Vegas in terms of the WNBA. But in terms of his football team, they are a laughingstock. They are god-awful. They are hard to watch. And as my girlfriend mentioned today, we went on a little bike ride at about 4.30 Pacific Standard Time, about 30 minutes before the game. She's like, who's playing tonight? I'm like, the Raiders and the Lions. She's like, doesn't it feel like the Raiders are on Monday Night Football a lot? And obviously they've played now a couple times, the Packers earlier this season. The problem with not being a good team, when you play on prime time, everyone gets to see you. And I think, and I say this all the time, paying coaches to leave when you know it's a coach who's not good enough, like if you're the Lions, you give that guy an extension. But you want him in the building well before he... Who knows? He probably never will. Odds, Dan Campbell's not going to win a Super Bowl. 
But if he can just make you consistently in the mix, win your division, he is worth a ton to you. Where Josh McDaniels is actually a major liability. And if you got to pay him and his staff, whatever the money might be, $20, $30 million, the amount of money these teams now get from the league and their media deal, it's well worth it. Go get yourself a real coach. Jim Harbaugh's career started with the Raiders. Jim Harbaugh clearly in Michigan, you know, the, the contract was laid out there. Then the cheating allegations. Now the contract has been rescinded. Harbaugh claims that's BS. Harbaugh flirted a year and a half ago with Minnesota. We, we all know Harbaugh's coming back. He has an affinity for football history. He loved Al Davis. He likes Mark Davis. To me, the Raiders, that feels like an easy one. Who knows? He might have options. But if I'm Mark Davis, like I'm already starting to make those connections. This Josh McDaniels thing is clearly not working. And one thing we've seen with the Patriot guys, you kind of know right away. Like we saw Patricia with the Lions. You're like, oh, that's not going to work. You saw Joe Judge with the Giants. You're like, ah, that ain't working. You see Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. Like it doesn't have a chance. He put all of his chips on Jimmy Garoppolo. Think about this. It wasn't that long ago. That for whatever reason, last year was Christian McCaffrey. Several years ago, it was Matt Stafford. The 49ers and the Rams both wanted the same guy. They were bidding against each other. The Rams offered two ones in Jared Goff. The Niners offered two ones in Jimmy Garoppolo. And Brad Holmes, who has done a fantastic job, we'll get into him in a second, obviously had worked for the Rams, liked Jared Goff, Dan Campbell liked Jared Goff. They made the right move. Because if they had done the opposite trade, they would not be in the same position. Jimmy Garoppolo's just not a very good player. And he really hasn't been now for a while. But that's who Josh McDaniels hitched his wagon to. So when you fail, and it'd be one thing, it's like, hey, he didn't really have any other options. He gave the guy $7 million. He gave the guy 30 million in guaranteed money. That's more than a bridge quarterback. That's a guy that you think he can win you games. And he cannot. He is not very good. As we talked about <clears throat> right before we fired up record tonight, is he the worst starting quarterback in the NFL? I don't know about that. But I would say based on this season, when you watch him play, he's a bottom five or six guy. And that's on Josh McDaniels. And look at the other team from a personnel standpoint. I'll never forget during draft, this draft period, the media and the draft gurus always have a lot of opinions. And I understand, it's a passionate time. You do a lot of work, you watch a lot of players, whether you're a scout or whether you're a draft guru, if you're going to spend the time to watch players and you like certain guys and you don't like other guys, I totally get it. Be excited about the guys you like and be critical of the teams that take the guys you don't. That's, that's the fun part about the draft. But one thing I'll never understand, and this is why me and like the analytical elites don't always see eye to eye, I'm never married to one thing. Like I'm all for going for it. I'm all for going for two sometimes. But I'm also down with kicking a field goal every once in a while. Like I, I'm all for pulling my starter because he's got 80 pitches. But I'm all for when the guy's got five scoreless innings and it's the third, is game three of a playoff series, letting that fucking guy keep rolling. I come from the old school Bruce Bochy school of baseball, right? And the, the analytical elites, get that guy out of the game. It's like, well, are we sure? That guy might be your best pitcher. And I, I'm never married to anything. I'm in agreement that taking running backs in the first round is not great business. But there are exceptions. Like, am I taking Saquon Barkley number two overall? No, I think that's stupid. Do I like taking Bijan Robinson at eight when I already got good running backs? even though he's probably behind Jalen Carter, the second best player in the draft. I don't like doing that. Like, I, I'm in agreement. 
But when the draft is historically terrible, most teams have maybe 12, 13 first-round grades on players. To go from 6 to 12 and get a guy that you had graded in a down draft as a top 10 player and also add your starting tight end, who is really good. I know he had a drop tonight, but really good player. There is no chance that I would not take B. John Robinson over the combination of Gibbs and Laporta. Every team in the league would agree with me. The other thing is, Gibbs is really good. Like, really, really good. So, if you're going to take a running back in the first round, you get something else with it. Part of the problem when you take B. John Robinson at number eight, that's all you get. The Lions didn't just take a running back in the first round. They added a high second round pick, which netted them a tight end, who if he becomes a pro bowler, which I would say early indications that he has that ability, is going to be one of the best values in the NFL. Why? Because tight ends don't cost that much money. So if he is your franchise tight end, you get a cheap player for the next eight years relative to other positions in the NFL. And even if Gibbs is only a one-contract guy, if he shows flashes like he did tonight, you're fucking cooking with gas. So I got my franchise tight end, and I got my starting running back. I know their starting running back's injured, but a guy that will become your starting running back for the next several years who doesn't cost that much. So this notion that you can never do something is always so stupid to me. Well, what's the context of what we're doing, right? Well, yeah, if my pitcher is sick and his fastball is usually 95 and he's throwing 92, get the guy out of the game. But if he's got one hit through six just because we had the preconceived notion coming into the game, well, he can only go five innings a night, that feels stupid to me. And I think sometimes, I would tend to agree, 95% of the time, take another player. But in a draft that was god-awful, and when you made a personnel move that netted you more assets, I think that was one of the better moves of this last draft. And I think it's a big reason why, I, as I talked about earlier, it's not just about this season with the Lions. It's about the next several. And th- this team is built well. They're run well. They're tough. They're physical. The other thing they're really going to benefit from is their division. Because think about it. The Packers... You guys are starting to figure out what it's like being a normal NFL fan. You usually don't have Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. A lot of teams, hell, you're in your own division can relate. Usually you get Jordan Love. You're in trouble, right? You know you have to get another quarterback, which is a good place to be, but how do you find that guy? Do you draft high enough? Well, if you keep losing, maybe. Was the guy you draft any good? You never know. I, I would have thought Kirk Cousins, who we'll get into a second, might have been an option. Now, he's not available. Uh, the Bears are in complete shambles. And who knows? Is Are we sure that Caleb Williams wouldn't say, yeah, I'm not playing there? Right? What would indicate to you, based on what the Bears have shown us over the last 20, 30 years, that Caleb Williams and his father would be like, yeah, that's where I want to go. Beside the city, which is cool. The brand is powerful. But in terms of the actual football team, What quarterback goes, that's where I want to be, the Chicago Bears, right? And now Minnesota, who's best player, I guess beside Justin Jefferson, but one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, who was also going to be a free agent, now has a torn Achilles. So if I'm the Lions, not only is it in the short term, like we're going to make the playoffs, we're going to have a home playoff game, it's going to be freaking awesome, but we're going to be good for a while, and this division is starting to feel a little crappy, and uh, we can take advantage of it. Speaking of something that you can't take advantage of, because I thought Kirk Cousins was, statistically, was having his best season ever. 
he, he was on pace for about 38 touchdowns and 11 picks, which he has had seasons where he's thrown less interceptions, but he's never had a 38 touchdown season. And he was playing at a really, really high level. Like he was a lock. When, when I use the word Pro Bowl, a lot of people make fun of me. Like the Pro Bowl is so fake now. It's bullshit. It's not fake in the sense of when the first three quarterbacks from each conference are chosen, that's real. Now, as those guys drop out and Josh Allen's playing at Pebble Beach, then it becomes, you know, the, the importance of the uh, of the pick definitely becomes negated and not as as powerful as the original Pro Bowl group. But Cousins was clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. He had taken a team that most of us thought was not only going to come back to earth, but early in the season was in major trouble. And then Justin Jefferson gets injured. You're like, this team is destined to win four or five games. Then all of a sudden, he slices and dices the Niners. They're going to beat the Packers with his eyes closed. And you're going, God, they're four and four. Look at the NFC. This team could cruise to a wild card spot. And then he could be in position... And I said this a couple, I guess, last Monday night when the Vikings beat the beat the 49ers. Like, they're going to let that guy walk? They're going to let a Pro Bowl guy throwing 38 to 40 touchdowns just leave the building after they won nine games and played in a wild card game? Like, I, I, I couldn't see it. And I thought they were going to be, and maybe they took the analytical approach where under no circumstances they budged. But maybe they ended up just said, shit, well, let's just give them two years, 90 million, and guaranteed 70. Jimmy Garoppolo just got 35. Derek Carr just got 60. You don't think Cousins could have got 90 to $100 million? But when you tear your Achilles, which I have such admiration for a guy who gets an injury like that, and I wonder, you know, I've never torn Achilles, but whenever you hear a guy talk about it, usually, obviously us as viewers, when they go to the slow motion and you see that calf kind of explode, you know. But when a guy, like, refuses to be carried off and he kind of hobbles to the side... It was bad. And then you see the replay. I was at the gym today, and they were showing the replay. I was like, God, that's he just kind of fell into a sack because his leg didn't work. It's obviously devastating for a guy who, for a long period of time, let's face it, Cousins got made fun of a lot. He did. And I think a big reason is people thought he was geeky and goofy, but also just not very good. And I think one thing that he's proven the last couple years is he's a pretty damn good player, especially to the relative to the rest of the NFL. Is he a top five quarterback? No, he's not. But is he better than, I don't know, 20 guys pretty easily? Hell yeah, he is. And then clearly the Netflix special with the Coles cash, it kind of made him uh, relatable. I don't even know is the right word, but just just kind of an easy guy to root for. Just someone like we all know, kind of a goofy, geeky guy who's actually really, really good at what they do. And clearly the team liked him. He was having his best season. Kevin O'Connell said that. I found myself really rooting for him. And I think when you tear your Achilles, it's a devastating blow. When you're Aaron, Aaron Rodgers can take every, you know, medical advice, whatever he wants. I'll, when he plays this season or he comes back next season and looks completely the same, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm still short in that one. It's very, very difficult. I don't give a shit who's working on you, what rehab process you're going through. Father time, Charles Barkley has been saying this forever. It's undefeated. Now we have, with nutrition, with medical advances, clearly we have the benefit of 2023 that they did not have in 1994. 
But there's a reason most guys don't thrive in their mid to late 30s. And I think we saw that come back to fruition. You know, there was Tom Brady who was somehow able to play till he was 45. But the majority of his peers kind of petered out between 38 and 40, right? Drew Brees, his last year, he was shot. Roethlisberger could barely throw the ball. Same thing with Peyton Manning. You know why? That's what happens at 38, 39 years old in the NFL. And Cousins, unlike Rodgers, not a great athlete. Now, I don't know the impact of athleticism in terms of an Achilles rehab, but it can't be nothing. And because at least Rodgers, even if he can't move nearly the same as he did five years ago, honestly, in his couple plays that he had before it popped, I didn't think he was moving the same in a New York Jets jersey as he did like three years ago. Cousins has never been able to move. This, to me, doesn't just have ramifications on this season because he's out with the Minnesota Vikings. To me, he would have been one of the great wild cards this offseason. There were so many teams, and the team I kept thinking of, the Atlanta Falcons, they're a quarterback away from thinking, that's a 10-11 win team. They're good on defense. They have a ton of talent on offense. Their quarterbacks are just god-awful. Desmond Ritter should be competing to be your backup quarterback, not your starting quarterback. It's why yesterday... When everyone's, oh, he got knocked out of the game with a concussion. And then the coach said, well, actually, he didn't have a concussion. He got benched. He's not any good. You play him, I don't care if Jerry Rice is lining up out there or Drake London and Kyle Pitts, you're going to lose more games than you win. And I was like, you don't think they, especially with all these young players on rookie contracts, wouldn't be aggressive for Kirk Cousins? That wouldn't be a major upgrade? And Arthur Smith would be going, we're going to win this division? Well, that that's not an option anymore. Like I'm not saying Cousins' career is over. But Cousins' career of getting these massive contracts is put on hold. You know the name that I thought of actually today? Because I was listening to Mike Sando on with Rosillo. And he talked about how these teams and these owners are much more willing to eat cash. They've already paid it. Uh, These teams, especially these big money owners, the newer monies, have so much money that Russell Wilson's already been paid a large percentage of his contract. Now, it impacts the books, but they've already given him $85, $90 million. He obviously has more money coming. But could there be a situation where Atlanta is so desperate, they're clearly not bad enough to get like a top 10 pick this year, but they're not good enough where they're going to make the playoffs. I'm shorting them hard. What if they could work out something? Because I've been one saying, under no circumstances is anyone going to be interested in Russell Wilson. I watched him a little bit yesterday, and he's clearly not the same guy. He's 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's definitely more functional than he was last year. What if you get to the point where Denver just kind of eats some of the money, right? A little bit like a couple years ago when Vaughn Miller was traded to the Rams for a second and third round pick. They ate, I think, 90% of his contract. Now, I don't exactly know how all this would work, but in a situation where you're not just handing them the player in the contract, you go, listen, we'll eat 50% of his cash. So you're getting a guy... You know, in, instead of $45 million a year on your books, it'll be like $23 million a year. That's still a major upgrade over what they have, and they might just be desperate enough to do something like that. Not saying it will happen, but listen to Sando. Let's face it, Sean Payton hates his entire team. Win, lose, or draw. I don't think he likes any of these guys. Wants no part of Russell Wilson. And like most conventional wisdom would say, stuck with a contract, can't unload. Well... Unless you eat some of the money, a lot of times teams, when they're trading these contracts, why Jalen Ramsey only goes for a third-round pick? Because you take on the whole contract back, so you're kind of stuck with it. Well, if I take on some of that that debt, 
and I pay it down, maybe we can work something out. Not for a pick of value, but that, that's a team that I thought Cousins had written all over it. What if they get really desperate, eat some money, Russell Wilson, Atlanta is a team to keep the eye on. Trade deadline. There was a trade today, Seattle, who now finds themselves in first place, traded a second-round pick for Leonard Williams, former USC top five defensive tackle, maybe went six in the draft because I think Amari Cooper went four. It was between him and Amari to the Raiders. They took Amari, and then Leonard went a couple picks later. There were like rumors that he had a bad shoulder. Solid player. I would not call some elite game changer. When I just saw this come across my phone, the first thing I thought about was, I was like, oh, they got a guy under contract for the next couple years. Why they gave that much for him? And then immediately get home, go to the computer, He's a free agent. A little head-scratching. Now, here's the thing with Seattle. They've been known to live in the moment. They've been known to lean aggressive. They are not afraid to fail with trades, right? Jamal Adams, somehow still around. They're paying him a lot of money. They gave up two ones and a two for that guy. They traded a one for Percy Harvin. That blew up in their face. But they've also been aggressive on the flip side. They traded Russell Wilson when it's easy to say hindsight, Monday morning quarterback was a genius trade. I, along with most people, thought they were fucking idiots and it was going to be a disaster and tank their franchise. It's been the complete opposite. They got both middle fingers up laughing at everybody as they are cruising to the playoffs for the second straight year with Geno Smith at quarterback. Now, I'm not saying this is some game-changing trade. I'm just saying from their mindset, you know, they they don't get caught up with paying 120 cents on the dollar because that's kind of what they did here. They need more defensive line help. People have been running down their throat. But I'll say this about Seattle. They have really, really proven a lot these last couple of years. Uh, Pete, John, the infrastructure of the franchise, the way they've drafted once they got some of those Russell Wilson picks. Uh, that, that's the win they got. A little bit lucky, but, I mean, you're playing P.J. Walker. You're going to have a chance to win whether there's 30 seconds left or, you know, the entire game left. And they pulled it out. And they who caught the game when he touched down? Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> really good player. Like him and DK, Tyler Lockett, they're a problem. Kenneth Walker, Charbonnet. Like their offensive skill guys are pretty good. If their defense is just solid. I think they're looking at it, especially after the Niners lose, like, why can't why can't we win this division? We haven't even played them yet. <laughs> they got to come here on a short week uh, on Thanksgiving, I think. So I, th- I think Seattle's kind of feeling themselves right now. We'll see how it plays out over the season, but you got to give it to John and, and Pete. They, they ain't scared. Uh MVP talk. One thing I've never understood in college football is, and this was what what was cool about Devontae Smith winning the Heisman Trophy, is why does it? Why don't we just rename it the quarterback award? If you're just going to give it to quarterbacks every single year, just rename it the the quarterback Heisman because that's essentially what it's become. They're the only guys that can win it. I think the MVP really became that. I remember being a kid when Barry Sanders split it with Brett Favre, and it was clear like Barry Sanders one of the best players in the league. There was the year I think J.J. Watt was the best player in the NFL, and he he couldn't win it. I, Aaron Donald had some years. Like, couldn't you just give him the MVP? But it was like a quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And obviously there were some years if Tom Brady's thrown for 50 touchdowns or Mahomes or Peyton Manning. This, to me, feels like a year. These two wide receivers, A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill. A.J. currently has 60 catches, 939 yards, five touchdowns. He has 125-plus yards in like eight straight games. Tyreek Hill is obliterating everyone he plays. 61 catches, 1,000 yards, and 9 touchdowns. I mean, Tyreek Hill's currently headed for about 130 catches, 
2,100 yards and about 20 touchdowns. If he does anything remotely close to that, kind of like the year Adrian Peterson ran for 2,000 yards, he one of these guys, you could argue currently, Mahomes obviously was just sick, played shitty, and like Lamar, how can one of these guys not legitimately be in the MVP race? If you were a voter for the MVP, and these guys keep playing like they're playing, and the Eagles are the number one seed, if Miami wins 13 games, how could you not vote for one of these guys? Like, what would Lamar, or especially Lamar and Mahomes, who I would say were the quarterbacks coming into this week, who you would say are definitely in the MVP, you know, mix. I would say Lamar's probably, based on what he's been dealing with and the bar he had set given the last year, I would probably put him even ahead of Mahomes. Josh Allen, you know, not far behind, but like, I think I'd vote for Tyreek. If you tell me the Miami Dolphins win 13 games, Tyreek Hill would get my vote. If you tell me the Eagles basically do the same thing they did last year and win 15 or 16 games and cruise the number one seed, and AJ continues to do this, I would probably put Tyreek Hill over AJ Brown just given, I think, what AJ, and he is dominant. To me, I've been saying it for a while. He's like if George Kittle and Debo Samuel had a baby. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? How do you cover this guy? And no one does. His team, to me, is better than Tyreek's. I mean, Tyreek's offensive line wasn't good to start the season, and now he's playing with me, you, and like three other guys. Like, I'm sorry, Jalen and just the crew that he's playing with, AJ, is just better than what Tyreek's doing. That's why I'd give him the slight edge. But I, I wouldn't have any problem if any voter wants to vote for one of these guys. I just think we need to make it more common to stop voting for quarterbacks if other positions like these two guys throw their hat in the ring. Let's end with this. My friends at Morgan and Morgan. Player that made it look easy. We go with a lot of players. Tyreek, A.J. Brown, good examples. Tonight, Gibbs with the Lions was awesome. But anytime a rookie quarterback makes his debut, it's pretty cool. And it's one thing when it's like a Tommy DeVito and no one's ever heard of him, or the dude from the Bears, Badgett, It's like, I don't even know who this guy is. Another one is Will Levis, who at one point in time in Will Levis's collegiate career, I thought he had a chance to be the number one overall pick. His junior year at Kentucky, they were really good. And he physically, you know, he's 6'3", 6'4". He's got a huge arm. It's like, this this is kind of what it looks like. And then his senior year, disaster. Offensive coordinator from the 49ers, Rich Scangarello. They implode. The team's not as good. And it's a problem. And then come draft time, he doesn't get drafted in the first round. He goes to the Titans. It doesn't even feel like it's going that well in the Titans. Right? Like Malik Willis, who is just... He plays quarterback, but when you watch him play quarterback, you're like, this is not a quarterback. Was ahead of him on the depth chart. And then even last year, when Tan- or last week, when Tannehill got hurt, it was like, you know, Vrabel's going to do this thing. It's like college football. They're going to split reps in the game. You're like, what? And then he just goes to Will Levis. And then, trust me, I mean, I, I got to admit, be candid here, this is a podcast, I-, I wasn't super locked in coming into the day on Falcons, Titans. I didn't even watch that much of the game. But I went back and watched every throw. Some of his, and he threw four touchdowns. Hopkins had three. Some of the incompletions in that game were jaw-dropping. Like, they were sweet. Some of his best throws in that game were incompletions. His fourth touchdown, kind of rolling to the right, across his body, bomb back left, was really impressive. Now, 
It's pro sports. Becoming a good player is not about being a one-hit wonder or even having one good year. It's about doing it over and over and over again. And hell, they play this Thursday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. TJ Watt, it's going to be very, very difficult. He's making the start, but you got to give it to uh, to Will Levis. NFL debut, four touchdowns for a team that was just desperate for some life at quarterback. So my Morgan & Morgan player that made it look easy, Will Levis. If you're ever injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash John, that's J-O-H-N, or dial pound law, pound 529 from your cell phone. That's forthepeople.com slash John. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's dive in Jets, Giants. And I want to put in perspective, my relationship with weather games. For the first 18 years of my life, born and raised Davis, California, right by Sacramento. Then for five years, I went to Cal Poly, which is in the middle of California, by the water. And then for a couple years, I lived in Fresno. So until I was like 24, 25 years old and moved to Philadelphia, I did an internship with the Kansas City Chiefs my senior year in college, but was there for like three months. Now, by the end of that, it was freezing cold and, you know, the, the field would freeze and you were freezing your ass off. But truly living a winter in a non-California place in the Northeast wasn't until 2010. And I'll never forget when I worked in the office, you, you just wore normal clothes or whatever. But on game day, you wore a suit to the game. So all the home games, I didn't travel. I, I just went to the home games. And you wore a suit. And I owned one suit. It was a suit that my father had bought me, I think for like my graduation present in college, it was a nice like Italian suit, which was probably too baggy at the time. But hell, I still own it. 
And I remember going to a game early on in the season. You know, it's hot, humid, you're sweating. And then the weather turns. And, you know, for most of us on the West Coast, depending on where you live, winter, like, we don't live in the snow. I, I, was, I grew up two hours away from Lake Tahoe. When I wanted to go to the snow or the freezing cold, we got in our car and we drove two hours to Tahoe. And then when we were over it, we came home. But when I lived in Philadelphia, you just kind of live in it. And obviously, when you work in football, you play in it. And it's a huge part of, of football. From Pittsburgh to Philly to D.C. to, obviously, New York teams to Boston. And then, you know, the, the Midwest teams from Chicago and Kansas City. Like, playing in the cold, this isn't just it comes in December, right? You, you see these games in the middle to late October. There's still two and a half months left of the regular season. And then if you want to play in the playoffs, you have to be able to play in inclement weather. But I'll never forget showing up to the game and it being probably 30 degrees. It, you know, it might have been a Sunday or Monday night game. And by 10 minutes of standing on the field pregame, I, I couldn't feel my body. And everyone in the Northeast, you guys wear those long trench coats that are thick that keep you warm. I, I, not only did I not own one, it never even crossed my mind to purchase one. And then by the next couple days, I had to call my parents. I'm like, I, I didn't realize you got to wear something over your suit or you freeze your ass off. And when I was scouting the West Coast, I remember in a draft meeting, Matt Barkley came up. And I'm like, you know, I don't see it. Uh, I don't think he has the physical characteristics to play in Philadelphia. And that would go for any of the other teams that are in inclement spots. I'm like, L.A. guy, played at SC, born and raised. Like, I don't feel that vibe. Average arm, like not a great athlete. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not into it. I, I don't see it now. Obviously, Chip disagreed. He drafted him, and I was gone a couple of days later. But I've always believed that, you know. And, and Tom Brady is a good example of, yeah, he's a California guy, and then he went and spent five years in Michigan, right? So by the time he got to Boston, he was somewhat acclimated to the weather, right? Kaepernick, same thing, from Stockton or whatever, Turlock, California but then spent five years in Nevada, Reno, where it's really, really cold. I, I can attest, when I was at Fresno State, we played a game up there, I think in early November when Cap was on the team and he destroyed us. And by about the second quarter, I'm like, I can't feel my body. And I got several layers on. So playing in the cold at court, like other positions, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, like that usually translates. But at quarterback, it always makes me nervous. And when the Jets, when you draft the number two, you better feel very, very comfortable if you're one of those teams this guy can play in tough weather, right? And Zach Wilson, in theory, Provo, Utah, it gets cold in BYU, you would think. But you watch this guy in inclement weather, and I said, listen, I got to take this back. I said a couple weeks ago on Sunday show that we do with Colin, like he was becoming a functional player. Willie Cologne went on this fantastic rant. I love it when former players just can talk like us normal media people or normal people that talk about football just can talk and verbalize their thoughts like a fan. And just like, this is embarrassing. So many players are afraid to say stuff. That's why I never had a problem like Rodney Harrison, some of these guys that piss people off. Why do you think most people that piss people off that are sitting in my seat that have podcasts or host shows, like you got to be willing to like say some uncomfortable things. And Willie Colon was a shitting on Zach Wilson. And kind of rightfully so. He's not a functional player right now. It is crazy that they can barely win these games when their team is really good. I understand why the Giants can't win. They're not that good. They're on their third-string quarterback. This guy was drafted number two overall, and I'm watching that game a lot like the Steeler 
um, Jags game, inclement weather. Not an easy place to play, right? But when I, looking back, Joe Douglas, when you took him, you had to be very, very comfortable that this shit was going to translate, right? And he doesn't play well in the sun, let alone bad weather. This guy can't complete 60% of his passes right now in the modern-day NFL. I mean, he is a terrible player. He, he really is. They, they won despite him. The, the third downs in that game were just an embarrassment in, in you know totality for both teams. It was closer to zero third downs converted than 10, and there were 34 opportunities. Uh, but the Jets have a major, major problem on their hands. Because a lot like the Browns, they have a playoff team. Just remove the quarterback and just look at the totality of the roster. You go, that's a 10-12 to 12 win team, depending on the quarterback. If you can just put, let's just take the guy who represents just pure average over the last four or five years. To me, that'd be a Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not good, but he's not bad. He's just somewhere between 14 and 18 in the NFL. He can have series where he's like a top 10 quarterback, and he can have series where he's a bottom five quarterback. But if your team's good around him, you can compete to make the playoffs every year. And that, to me, is like what the Jets and the Browns would die for. Now, in fairness to the Browns, in fairness to the Browns, their starting quarterback has this injury situation that no one can get their, you know, kind of head around. Everyone's saying he's actually hurt. It's just bizarre. But the reality is they're rolling out P.J. Walker, and it was crazy that they had won the previous two weeks with that guy basically as their starting quarterback. The Jets, once he tears his Achilles, and I said it from the jump, you go into a season with this guy as your backup quarterback. This is not other positions where you can be like, you know, we don't love our backup guard, but like you can play with it. Like Most teams have question marks at other position. Your backup quarterback, when you are a playoff-level team, is one snap away from starting every single game. And we saw that with the Jets in Week 1. It was four or five plays into the season. He's your starter then from then on out. And hell, in the middle of the season, he's one snap away from starting a couple weeks. It's the only position where the moment an injury happens, that guy's getting unlimited snap. There's no rotation. There's nothing else you can do. It's like a kicker and a punter. If he's your starting quarterback, if he's your starting kicker, if he's your starting punter, that's that's the case. And the moment Rodgers went down, just like the moment Kenny Pickett went down, I'm looking up and seeing, I Googled it this morning, I was like, didn't they sign him to an extension? They signed this offseason, Mitch Trubisky, to an extension. You, if he's going to be your backup quarterback, and you hold yourself to a playoff standard, you have to realize at any moment, a broken rib, a broken leg, a torn ACL, a broken hand, like... Kenny Pickett can miss time. And Kenny Pickett is more than debatable, right, how good he is or not, right? I think we all know when he's good, they can compete. But he has a lot of bad games, too. And also, like Zach Wilson, in inclement weather, don't love it, uh, which is not ideal. Though, the Steelers would say, well, we got to watch him. He played at Pitt for five years in our backyard, literally in our stadium. The moment you can't play well in inclement weather and you're starting on one of these teams, you're just fucked. You really are. The Steelers forever had Roethlisberger. The Giants forever had Eli Manning. Obviously, the Patriots. These guys could play in those weather conditions. One of the best weather games I think I've ever seen, and listen, the box score will not reflect it, but if you are watching it live, the Giants versus the 49ers, Harbaugh's first year NFC Championship game. Driving rainstorm at Candlestick. They are peppering Eli Manning. Play in, play out, he just kept getting up. He just kept getting up. He kept, he was able to throw the ball, unlike Alex Smith, who couldn't complete third down passes. And if you can't play in weather conditions, 
listen, I, I don't know how the Jets are going to get to the finish line. Clearly, they're somehow 4-3, and three, and that is a huge, huge... Uh, the, the rest of the team should get a standing ovation on a daily basis the moment they walk into the team meeting from Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. Because with this offensive output, it, it's just not sustainable to win. The, you need such weird shit to happen on a weekly basis. You need your defense to play so awesome. You need your special teams to block a field goal or, hell, them to miss field goals. And this quarterback situation is just a reflection of Everyone misses on picks. Every single team does. Whether you're drafting at two or whether you're drafting at 150, you're not going to hit on every draft pick. But when you hold on to a draft pick, when you know you've missed, it's when you find yourself in trouble. And right now the Jets are holding on for dear life because they had moved on after last season. But then once they got Aaron Rodgers, they kind of pivoted. They thought he could be, I don't know, I wouldn't even say resurrected, but could learn from him. Well, the moment Rodgers tears his Achilles and is in Los Angeles rehabbing, I know he comes back every once in a while. He's been to a couple games. That's not the same. You are dependent when the ball snapped on that guy making plays. And that that what we just witnessed, because I don't even count the Giants' offense, right? Saquon Barkley was basically getting the ball every single play. What the Jets were doing on offense. I mean, there were some plays, and I've seen this now a couple weeks in a row, where it'll be Garrett Wilson or someone on the outside, and they'll be running like a go route. And Zach Wilson, for whatever reason, will think it was like some hot route or maybe he thought he had given an alert and he'll throw like this back shoulder fade or he'll throw like a quick out and the guy will just be running 30 yards up the field and the ball will skip into the sideline. So it's one thing if your physical attributes as your accuracy are more than questionable. It doesn't feel like he always knows the offense, which is pretty scary. And you just... I don't know. There's no There's no fix, just like with the Browns. There's no fix. Uh, so you just got to hold on. Hopefully your team makes plays. Somehow, if you just make the playoffs with this level quarterback play, uh, it, it should be worth, in your fans' mind, a playoff victory alone because that is an incredible accomplishment. I mentioned this to Colin the other day, and it really crystallized watching, especially the second half, the Saints started making plays. But I've thought this all season long. The Saints have absolutely no excuse to not win the division. And not only win the division, they should win the division by several games. They are clearly the best team top to bottom. They have a quarterback that they paid a lot of money to. And to me, I was thinking about this today. If somehow the Saints do not win the division, if you don't win the division, you're not going to make the playoffs. I think that is an immediate fireable offense for the head coach, Dennis Allen, who I played golf on Saturday with a guy from Louisiana. And so obviously football comes up and we just start talking about the Saints. He's like, God, I think we're pretty good. He's like, I I mean, I think our defense is playing pretty well. I think clearly you look at these offensive weapons, pretty good. He's like, our coach is an idiot. And I think any time that you make a transition from a successful coach to his right-hand man, it's very, very risky. And Dennis Allen, to me, is your classic example of someone who is very, very good when they are in a position where they can just focus on their expertise, right? When he's a defensive coordinator, all he has to focus on is half the team, get the defense ready to roll, and they were successful those last couple years of the Sean Payton era on defense. The moment you move that guy to head coach, isn't there, I forget it was a study, or it's like the old saying of you're better off if you take 10 things in life trying to be like middle of the road in all of them. You're better off being awesome 
at one or two things and basically being a failure at everything else. Honestly, that's kind of the tactic I take with my life, right? I do a couple things well. I don't waste any time on anything else because one, I will screw it up. Two, if I try to do like, let's just use house projects, for example, I'll end up ruining it and it'll cost me more money in the long run. My time is the most valuable thing I have. I'm good at like three things and I just focus on that. There are only so many people we've seen over and over in any walk of life that can handle everything. And it definitely comes into play when you're a head coach. Because when you're a head coach, well, you were previously a defensive or offensive coordinator. So you're going to spend probably, uh, an, I would say, extra amount of time on that side of the ball. But you also, because you're the head man, deal with the side of the ball that you're not an expert in. Then you manage and deal with personalities, your staff, things going wrong, injury, the general manager. You deal with everything. And it's a small percentage of people that can do it. I think you see it with Todd Bowles. You see it with Dennis Allen. The moment they go from being a defensive coordinator, where they're both excellent at, to being the head coach, everything slips. You saw it for a couple years with Denver. Now, I understand that Denver didn't have a quarterback, but even if you gave Fangio a quarterback, I think he's proven, put him in defense. Let him dominate that side of the ball. Get him the players, and he will kick ass and take names. Even Miami. For as question, questionable as their defense looked early, a lot of it was personnel-driven. They're going to be fine because they got Vic Fangio. If you made Vic Fangio the head coach, if Mike McDaniel just disappeared tomorrow, you would have a major problem on your hands. And he's not alone. And I say this, the best part about being a coordinator in the NFL, this isn't baseball where they pay their assistants like 120 grand. This isn't basketball where you know a handful of assistants make big money and most of the guys are middle of the road. If you are a coordinator in the NFL, 32 coordinators on offense and 32 coordinators on defense make seven figures. And the highly paid defensive coordinators in the NFL are making three and four million dollars. Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn ain't making two million dollars. I'll promise you that. He's probably making closer to five. Same thing with Vic Fangio. I'm talking big money. Now, I understand the Dennis Allens of the world, they get their opportunity to be a head coach. You know, there's a big difference of making two million and making eight or nine. I, I get it. I understand why they do it. The problem is when you are the organization, when you're Mickey Loomis and the owner, and you do do that, you put yourself at a huge disadvantage. And listen, I'm not confident because ultimately Dennis Allen is more than questionable. And let's face it, if the Saints don't make the playoffs this year and Derek Carr has more games like he did a couple weeks ago on Thursday night and the way he was playing early in the season, not the way he played down the stretch against the Colts who, let's face it, are not a very good team. That is going to be a reflection that everyone that beat the drum for years, calling him overrated, overpaid, not very good. I always defended him. I was like, he's better than everyone realizes. He's closer to the Cousins Dak kind of realm. Well, if you miss the playoffs and you have shitty games in big spots, like I'm sorry, those haters were right. And I think there's a ton on the line. And to me, you don't make the playoffs. Dennis Allen's done. And Derek's legacy, I don't even think Derek has a legacy. But in terms of the narrative on his career, uh, would probably end up skewing negative. So I think the Saints just, they're a team that really, really intrigues me. Because I, honestly, I don't see how they don't win the division. Uh, but it keeps going back to Dennis Allen. And then, like I said with the Steelers and Jags game, the Steelers are a quarterback away. I mean, it's really that simple. And even Kenny Pickett, I know he got injured in the game. I, To me, I, I always... And listen, this is football. So when a game happens, we react to it. 
And it's easy when a guy plays well to get excited, just like it's easy when a guy plays shitty to be down on him. There is a small percentage of players like Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Like Some guys have bad games, whatever. Trent Williams gives up a sack. No one's losing any sleep. Micah Parsons has a game where you don't notice him. It's football. It's welcome to life. He gets the benefit of the doubt. Kenny Pickett does not. And I got excited to watch him against the Rams. Well, it turns out the Rams suck. The Rams are not any good. So when you got to play outdoors against another playoff team, he looked terrible. And then obviously Mitch comes in and is even worse. And the Steelers have no chance. I don't care about the penalties. I don't care how many plays TJ Watt plays. When your quarterback play is that shitty against another guy who's a Pro Bowl-level quarterback and a team that looks like they're headed toward 12 wins, you're going to lose. And I give the Jags a lot of credit. Outdoor game, wet, on the road. They were the grittier team. Just that simple. They were the grittier team. And ETN, that's another thing. If you could have a do-over on Najee Harris and ETN, to me it's a no-brainer. ETN is really the modern-day running back. A guy that can do both. A guy whose speed can play in space. And you can put him everywhere in the backfield. He can flex out wide and play some wide receiver. Not wide receiver like Urban Meyer wanted him to train at wide receiver. But just a guy that can be very, very productive in the passing game. And you watch the Jags, their defense is nowhere near as talented as the Pittsburgh Steelers. But their offense, because they have a franchise quarterback, is able to function, even in shitty, wet, ugly conditions. And um, I go back and forth on the Steelers, because you watch them against the Rams, you're like, God, maybe they... No, they were in perfect conditions, and the quarterback hit a couple bombs to, to Pickens. You put them in a tough spot where there's some pressure. It's not easy to grip the ball, small hands. You get what you get against the Jags. A couple other things. It is, you know, I don't know the reasoning behind this. I don't know how we're here. But simply put, there have been a lot of quarterback injuries this year. Now, when other positions get injured, I typically take the stance of it's because training camp, it's not very physical, you don't do any hitting. No one's touched a quarterback in training camp since, like, the the 80s. So I I don't know if there's some randomness on this. I don't know if it's the lack of practice just even at full speed anymore for quarterbacks. I think a huge reason is offensive linemen now have never been shittier. And I say that with all respect to the position, how hard it is to play the position. But clearly, the amount of offensive linemen coming into the NFL and the amount of high-end defensive linemen coming in the NFL – is disproportionate, right? There are way more, I I don't know the exact number, but it feels like a three-to-one ratio. I mean, it feels like the amount of impact inside and uh, external, like outside pass rushers, relative to just, this guy's a legit starting offensive lineman. As someone told me the other day, like you look at uh, Skaronsky and some of these guys that have been drafted really high at offensive linemen, they're like, yeah, it's like, that guy's probably more of a second rounder. But a lot like quarterback, the amount of the limited amount of guys in a given draft, you overdraft offensive linemen. Where defensive linemen every single year, it's like, yeah, this guy's a no-brainer. Number multiple guys in the top ten, another guy in the teens, a couple more in the twenties, a bunch of guys in the second round. Because there's a lot of talent coming in on that side of the ball. And clearly from a financial standpoint, you also get paid to pay defensive line a lot of money. So uh it behooves people at that position to try to play in college if you can and uh, you get drafted high and then your second contracts are huge. So 
I, I think a huge reason a lot of people, you know, the talk about football coaches think it's because of the spread offense in college has had a huge impact. You know, back when, hell, just 15, 20 years ago, the majority of teams ran pro-style offenses. The Mike Leeches were really more outliers. Now, I, I'm not saying that specific air raid offense, but so many teams now have air raid principles and spread it out that that's really more in vogue than you watch a team. Like, how many colleges are playing with a fullback? When I worked at Fresno State in 08 and 09, a ton of teams had fullbacks. A ton of teams, their base offense was a pro set, which was five offensive linemen, a tight end, two running backs, one being a fullback, and two wide receivers. I think that is very, very few teams in college football do that. So that has a direct reflection on how you practice, on how you develop offensive linemen. And, uh, I mean, look at Dion. He's bitching and moaning after the game how much his offensive linemen suck. Like, well, Dion, welcome to football. Like, Larry Allen ain't walking through that door. I don't care how much money you have. It's not going to be easy to find good offensive linemen. It's just not. So you're going to be at a disadvantage. Look at USC. USC. In Pete Carroll's heyday, when I think of USC, I think of the line of scrimmage. Offensive and defensive lines. Now you watch USC, Caleb's running for his life. I mean, for as bad as they are on defense, they're just as shitty up front on offense. So, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think a huge reason some of these quarterbacks are getting peppered, I just think they're going to get hit more because these offensive linemen can't block. A couple quick things on college. Harbaugh, that story is just, it's just not going to go away. He's obviously at the point now where I can only talk about the upcoming game. I'm not going to focus on a contract. He denied that they had a huge contract extension on the table for him. Once this cheating scandal, which I'm already kind of over, who gives a shit? But clearly people do, and they've rescinded the offer, according to Wall Street Journal. He denied it. Then I saw there were some reports that that's not necessarily true. He's been told, don't sign it yet. All I know is they were headed on a fast track, what felt like the best opportunity he's had to win a national championship, and now things are weird. Now, he could still win the national championship if you watch college football, I don't think there are the dominant, what Georgia was a couple years ago, what Alabama's teams have been, uh, some of those Urban Meyer, Ohio State teams talent-wise, so he could still win the national championship. But do you know what sucks? That if he does win it, and I always think this is so stupid, like it happens a lot in basketball, because everyone's been cheating their ass off for 50 years in that sport, and rightfully so. One or two players can change the course of a season. Where in college football, one player, unless it's a quarterback probably isn't having as dramatic of an impact as you think. Hell, Travis Hunter was one of the biggest recruits in the country. You watch him against Stanford, he was getting smoked. He's getting beaten by a, like a drum. So if Harbaugh wins it, the shitty part is maybe they vacate it in a couple years. And it always happens like Memphis or Kansas or whoever has to uh, take off their Final Four banners. Those don't count. No, they did. We watched it. That happened. No one cares that he was getting 50K on the side and driving a Beamer. No one gives a shit except some overeducated dude at the NCAA headquarters. No one else cares. Everyone's doing it. So I, I think that's inevitable in this case, unless I'm missing something. Uh, it is funny hearing some of these stories about how they were funneling information to other teams, South Carolina being one. And it's just, I mean, I'm entertained by it, but what's going to suck is the the ultimate ramifications of the investigation and how it feels like this season is just going to be... They'll pretend that none of it counts. 
They might win the national championship, and they'll have to vacate it. Like, no, we watched them. They beat everybody they played. In Colorado, I guess their players got robbed at the Rose Bowl. When you go to the Rose Bowl, their lock, their visitor locker room, when I was at Fresno, we played them and beat them. Ryan Matthews had an incredible game. Rick Neuheisel was their coach. Place was sweet. They had just redone the visitor's locker room. I mean, it's just pristine. It, it's probably nicer, the visiting locker room at the Rose Bowl, than... 80% of NFL teams visiting locker room. And I guess, you know, a bunch of people stole stuff out of their cubbies or whatever. Not totally shocked. I mean, it's California. There aren't many laws being followed there. Uh, so, yeah. And I guess this happened before to them at Jackson State. Well, Dion, at least. I'm not, I don't think Dion got robbed. I think some of his players did. But that team is kind of in a free fall. That's the other thing. I, I watched some of that game. They're just, they're just not that good. And if you look at their schedule – you know, for as fun as Colorado was early in the season, and rightfully so, they were. They, I was very entertained by the Dion experience. They're getting worked now. They're they're getting worked. And one name to keep a, keep an eye on is Anthony Lynn's son. I think you say his name, DeAnton Lynn, uh, who played football at Penn State, has worked in the NFL for several years. The last couple years with the Ravens, UCLA's defense is no joke. So really, that that's not even a bad loss for Colorado. UCLA is better than them, but that that's a team. I mean. I think UCLA would beat USC. Now, the one thing is UCLA's got offensive issues because they have this five-star quarterback that they paid all this money to who, if you don't play him, he'll transfer. The problem is he kind of sucks right now. He throws like a pick six every game. But defensively, that team is, you know, Utah, Oregon. I mean, it's one of the better defenses definitely in the conference, but in, in the entire country. So, uh UCLA kicking ass, taking names. It's weird. You know, Chip's known for offense, and right now he's got a defensive team. For a limited time, you can save 40% on NFL Plus premium annual subscription when you sign up through Plus Play from Verizon. Plus Play is a platform where you can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, and more. So you can watch multiple games all at once on any screen around you for updates. Never miss a touchdown. And for fantasy football players, NFL Plus Premium makes all the difference. Access to programming like Fantasy Live through NFL Network, Red Zone for tracking player performance on Sunday, access to live local primetime games, access to Fantasy Plus. Just go to verizon.com slash NFL to get NFL Plus Premium today. It's 40% off an annual subscription. That's just $59.99 for the full season. Get it before it's gone. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. 
Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bowl flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. At John Middlecoff. DMs wide open. We will start here with Trey. Question for the bag. What are your thoughts on Thursday Night Football prime vision experience? This excludes the broadcasters. It has the sky view, next-gen stats, and player labels are great for gambling and fantasy, but some of the features are a bit much for my taste. Do you see other networks adopting similar broadcast options as the league moves towards streaming? I think these streaming companies will always try things that maybe, you know, the broadcast cable networks or even Fox or CBS will be hesitant to try. And in fairness, if you're CBS or Fox, like what you've been doing, regardless how much we complain, works, right? I mean, the primetime... Primetime's the wrong word for Fox and CBS, but they're they're big games and the afternoon windows for us on the West Coast, 125, Nance Romo, or now Burkhart and Olsen. I mean, you're talking 20-plus million people watching. There's not a television show outside of politics that sniffs that in 2023. So sometimes it's hard to be, quote-unquote, progressive with the way you approach stuff in a business like this when things are printing cash. So I, I understand why Amazon, nothing to lose, unlimited money, trying stuff. It's not, I tried it last year. I remember early on just flipping through their different options. It, it was a little much for me. Cool for a second, uh, but it, I, I'm not really that into it. And I'm someone that complains sometimes about broadcasters, though I will still watch. And I, I've done this before. I'll just turn it down, especially for those of you, I'm sure, that listening that have kids or a wife. You know, sometimes you just end up turning the game down keeping it on television so you can watch it and just have music or other stuff going on. I tend to do that more than try to watch the alternative broadcast. I like watching the game. You know, and like I know McAfee does that thing on uh, on Saturday now during college football games. Obviously last year Peyton and Eli, which Peyton and Eli are enjoyable, but so far in 2023, and I, I love Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. I, I could I'd watch games with them all day long. Though, if the Monday night game matters and they're doing it, like I, I just want to watch the game. 
The other problem is they bring on guests like it's a podcast, which I understand, but sometimes that guest's Wi-Fi doesn't work or the audio's off. It's like I'd rather just, especially now, let's face it, one huge element to watching Monday Night Football these last two years, say what you want, even if you're not some diehard Joe Buck guy, it is dramatically better than what it was. It was, it fell off after Gruden, and it's just back rolling again. It, it feels big. And if you feel big, even if I don't love you as a broadcast team, like, I'll watch you. Okay, I love the regular content. I wanted to get your opinion on the mainstream sports talk shows on ESPN and FS1. I used to watch them every now and then, but now they're unbearable. Most of the analysts are just loud, obnoxious, biased, hot take artists. Just after views. Your boy Colin being an exception. I would say the difference of Colin and the shows is Colin is a it's a TV show now, but it's still at its core a radio show, podcast. Like he, he's a I, I put him in a completely different category than just first take. I feel like they'll die out soon and people will stream specific content like from creators they like. Even if I disagree with an opinion of yours, I know it's fair and unbiased. Like this guy, Al. Can't say the same for people that watch these shows. Well, I would say this. The, the key to these shows is that there's a social media element to growth that you got to say wild shit, which I've never really... I, I never think about that when I do a show. I just try to do an entertaining show, try to be relatable, and just talk. Sometimes I probably say things that people think are batshit crazy, but I kind of believe it, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that host shows are also like that. Those shows do nothing for me. I don't watch. I, I have a lot of admiration for how hard it is to get up every morning if you're, you know, Skip Bayless getting to the office at 4 o'clock in the morning. I remember when Colin hired Shannon or partnered with Shannon and Club Shay Shay and stuff. I, I listened to a podcast he did with them, and, you know, he was like, you know, you know the discipline it takes, and clearly Shannon, I mean, he's jacked, is a very disciplined individual, but coming to work every morning at 4.35 in the morning, like, doing a morning radio show or a morning television show is no joke. But, like, it's... I just don't care enough to talk about all the topics that you have to talk about on television. Like, I have no desire to do that. Um, and I, I don't consume it. Like, I, I'm, I'm not their consumer. I, I never have I never have been and obviously never will be. But, listen, it's, it's not easy. As someone that did a radio show every day... Like the thing with podcasts, I can talk about whatever I want. Now, because of the volume I'm putting out and we've, you know, grown over the years, when you do a television show or specifically, definitely I can speak from the radio, the individual ratings on a daily basis are just so important that you do have to like cognitively think about, you, you just can't always talk about what you want to talk about. Where on this medium, you're coming for me. Like ultimately ESPN or Fox Sports, like if they change a lineup, people that watch that show still watch the show, right? When you watch Colin, you're coming for Colin. When you, when you come to a podcast, like when you seek out Joe Rogan or Pardon My Take or whoever, you are coming for that individual. The network can't just change that individual for someone else and that podcast feed still do well. That's why I feel pretty good about the future of the, the business I'm in. You're coming for me. Right, you can just take my feed and just call it now the uh, the Bill Williamson show. Like <laughs> you'd be like, well, who's this guy? Right, I was coming from Middlecoff, 
and that's the power I'd say of audio. Uh, television can be a little different that way. Now, Stephen A. is somewhat of an exception. People come for him, and I think he's broken through. And it's why he makes a lot of money, right? Because he's essentially, while he's a TV host, he has the power of what Dan Patrick or Colin like. You're coming for them. Who's the franchise quarterback? Question. Fluke season is over, Mr. Seventh Round. Nice excuse for the Rams time zone reason. One hit wonder, Purdy. That's the DM. And then he sent me a picture of Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. Yeah. I don't know what to... I, you know the crazy thing is I heard Mike Sando say Purdy had nine... He had nine passes over 20 yards, which I think led the league this weekend on explosive passes down the field before he started throwing picks, which were atrocious. He was actually playing really well. He pushes the ball down the field. He is dramatically better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Now we'll see, like if he starts turning the ball over, we got problems, but like the, the guy can push the ball down the field defense. Like, Hey, Steve Wilkes, you're about to get fired, bro. Love the show. My favorite for football. I'll keep it simple. Thoughts on Will Levis seem to have a good debut. Are him and Hopkins a good combo? Henry looked good as well, with Levis being able to pass the ball, even all the trade rumors. We talked about him a little bit earlier, but all you got to do is type in Will Levis's passes from Sunday, and it'll just have all of his passes. It's an eye-opener. His arm strength, I knew in college, if you watched him in Kentucky, and I was keeping an eye on him for a couple years, physically he was really gifted. His senior year was atrocious. Now, the team was bad. The offensive coordinator was bad. But that performance was really, really impressive. I would be really excited. Now, the thing with rookie quarterbacks, it can just be up and down week to week, right? You play on short week this week. Who knows what it's going to look like? But I, I don't blame anyone in Nashville for being super excited that guy makes his debut, throws four touchdown passes. And some of his incompletions were incredible. How do television ratings count red zone? You don't technically watch the game, but you still watch the game via red zone. Does it count as a viewer for a game? No, it doesn't. It counts. I I think red zone is independently rated. And I don't know what their ratings are, but you don't, you know, if it's, let's say throughout the three-hour game, you watch 10, 20 minutes of New York Jets-Giants game. That that eyeball that you had watching on the red zone does not go toward their rating on Fox. So I, I think it's just like anything, it's rated as a channel. So just because it carries all those games, the percentage that humans are watching the red zone on that given game have nothing to do with the game's rating. Random question. Would it be possible to timestamp your content in the description? Some days when I'm on the go, I don't get the whole pot in, and the next day, want to get to the one you just put out. Thanks so much for the great content. Love the way you break down how things are actually different than they appear on the surface and headline. Well, I guess we could, but if you're listening to the podcast, let's say, and it's an hour long, and you get through 30 minutes, and the next day I put out a new podcast... Unless you've listened to another podcast, wouldn't you still be on that spot if you had to do something else? Now, trust me, my ego is not big enough to think that you wouldn't click on another podcast or whatever throughout the day, but couldn't, like sometimes I do that and I just kind of go back to where I was listening or I just move on to the next one. 
So if I timestamp it, though, I don't know how that fixes your problem, I guess. Because if you get to whatever minute mark and you're done listening for the given day, you got to pick up your son or you got to make dinner or whatever's happening. And then a day later, you know, the new podcast is uploaded in the feed and you want to finish the other one. Can you just figure out where you were? I'm not even trying to make this more difficult than it is. That's how I'm just, I'm a consumer as well. Like I'm no different than you. I listen to podcasts. That's how I go about it. But clearly timestamps, maybe I'm behind the curve on that one. I really enjoy your podcast. My question is about Kyler Murray. I know you and Michael Lombardi have spoken about the contract implications for the Cardinals as it pertains to coming back this season and getting re-injured. But do you think part of the urgency by the Cardinals to bring him back this season is wanting to make a long-term decision about Murray with this upcoming quarterback class looking so promising and probably having a top-five pick? Well, right before I recorded this part of the pod, I saw on Instagram that Jonathan Gannon had said that Joshua Dobbs will not start this week. It is between Kyler Murray and I forget the other guy's name. I think they did they draft a guy. Yeah, they, they drafted a guy from some random school. But to, to start Kyler Murray, you'd obviously have to activate him from injury reserve, which is very easy for them to do. Uh, listen, I would, I would take the risk and play him. And if he looks good, it gives you two options. One, your team still sucks. You're not going to win that many games. And two, if he does look good and you keep losing, it's not like he'd come back and be like Patrick Mahomes and all of a sudden you end up winning seven games. That's not going to happen. Even if he wins you an extra game or two, you're still going to be right there in the mix. And two, that gives you the option of trading him. Because right now, for him to have trade value, where it's lucrative enough for you to pull the trigger on getting rid of him, he's got to come back and look good. I still think he has trade value, even if he doesn't play a snap this season. But if he comes back, looks good, runs around, makes some plays, throws some touchdowns, makes plays with his legs, there are going to be teams that are going to trade for him. Think how many teams need quarterbacks. So... I would probably risk it because I also look at, listen, some of these numbers feel outrageous to me and you, just like any human being. There are some people, if you just say, Hey, I'm uh, having this guy put in some trees in my backyard this week, $10,000. If you would have told me that five years ago, I'd be like, well, you're spending what on trees? I'm like, yeah, I need some ficus trees to block my neighbor so they can't see in. Right. And some people that would say they just did something for 500 grand. Money's all relative. So $50 million risk, or I think it's a little less than that, whatever the is, is a lot of money to 99% of businesses. In the NFL, every year you're getting a check from the media rights deals for almost $400 million. So you got to cut the fucking check, even though Michael Bidwell doesn't have any money outside of you know, the team relative to the other owners. Who cares? This is big boy business. That's why I always say about Dean Spanos. It's like you're not in the business in the 1997 anymore. This is 2023. All this money is just... It's nominal relative to the big picture. So if you're obsessed with paying seven, eight million dollars to a coach and you're unwilling to spend fifteen million dollars a year, which is honestly only a seven or eight million dollar difference, even over the aggregate of a contract could be twenty or thirty million dollars, you are so short sighted and you deserve to fucking lose every single season. So to me, if he is healthy, now I understand not playing Kyler Murray if he's legitimately not healthy. I know he's back at practice, but if you're like, God, he just doesn't even look remotely close. That's, that's football. That's welcome to, you know, you don't put compromised players. But if he is, to me, 90-plus percent run around out there, I think you play him. You risk it and because everything has risk versus reward, right? That's, that's the business world. Things can go wrong. But things can also go right. 
if he does look good, one, maybe you're like, I actually kind of like him in this offense. Or two, maybe you pretend that, and then you flip him, maybe you get several draft picks. Hell, maybe he looks good enough, you get a first-round draft pick. So I, I think part of life, you got to be willing to risk it. Historically, risking $50 million is insane. But in 2023, with the amount of money all these teams generate, it's, it's more than a line item, but it doesn't affect your franchise. It's like that in business. When you first start a business, every expense is kind of jarring. And then maybe you start making some money, and those expenses just go up and up and up. And if you get to be an enormous company like Amazon or Apple, I can't even imagine seeing some of their expenses, right? They'd be fucking enormous. Like a minor league baseball team stays at a shitty hotel. The Golden State Warriors stay at the Four Seasons, right? The expenses are just different. Some people gamble a lot more money than others, right? What I have to gamble on a game to make it worth my while for excitement would make some of you be like, damn, that's a lot of money. Just like the amount, some people, when I see like Dave Portnoy and see how much some of those guys put on, on games, it's like, damn, that's a lot of money. Money all relative. And right now, the money in the NFL, if you are, unaf- if you are afraid of nominal amounts. And for them, we're talking tens of millions of dollars are easy money to replace. It's why when a coach sucks, you should immediately fire him. Paying a guy 10, 20, 30 million dollars to go away when he's not the guy is always the right move. And I listen, it's also worth the risk of playing him if he's good. So I I would play him. He's got to be healthy to play him, but uh, I, I think it's worth the risk even financially because of what you could potentially get back. Appreciate everyone listening. Fire in those DMs at John Middlecoff in the Instagram, and we will talk soon. Adios. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.